Theorizing that Quantum Leap would hold up after 30 years, two friends set out to watch every episode and vanished. Oh boy. Sam has to be the right hand of God. And also not get killed by the mob. He makes his girlfriend streak. Oh boy! Featuring Kristen and Leet. Yeah! Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Oh, oh boy, boy, it's Kristen, Kristen and Leet. I'm Kristen. I'm Leet. And this is Oh Boy, it's Kristen and Leet. So we're re-watching uh, Quantum Leap from the beginning. Today was episode four. This was technically episode four? Is that right? Well, we had uh, Fighter Pilot. Yeah. Then we had... That was a two-part. Yeah. So Fighter Pilot slash uh, Baseball Player is episode one. Yeah. Then we had... Oh, so technically, yeah, all that was episode one. Yeah. And then we had... Then we had uh, Star-Crossed. Star-Crossed. That's right. Uh, Misogynist college professor. And I guess that's it. So this is episode three of uh, Quantum Leap. Yeah. Uh. Where Sam leaps into October 24th, 1974, in an episode titled Right Hand of God. Yeah, right off the bat, uh, very religious episode. Very, very gaudy. Very gaudy. So, no, let's go back, because you had a prediction. We saw him le- leap into uh, the ring and get punched in the kisser at the end of last episode. Oh, what did I say you I was going to... You made a prediction that it was going to um, involve him taking a dive... Hey, hey. And uh, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, your prediction was kind of the inverse of the trope, which was um, in in the original timeline, he uh, refused to take a dive and was killed by organized crime. And so Sam, uh, his job was to, in fact, take the dive that he refused to take. So, like, close in well, a weird way. Yeah. I think I invoked the story of Daredevil's father yep. in the prediction, and that definitely came up even more in this one, because I think I was spot on, since it's very much about, like in Daredevil, it's very much about his connection to the Catholic Church and things like that. That's so. another weird trope of boxing movies, oh, is, is that it? like nuns are for some reason involved. I guess, yeah. I mean, maybe it's like a very... I don't know. Is it like a New York? Was this set in New York? No, this, is, this was uh, in Chicago, California. California. I, I honestly, I just think that like probably both this and Daredevil were kind of just copying Rocky. And okay, which has a church connection. Uh, um, he's Catholic for sure. I don't We've established that. that I haven't seen Rocky. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I haven't seen Rocky <laughs> in a little will. while, but he's for sure Catholic. Right. Um, you think it's because boxers are more often either Italian or Irish? Yeah, maybe. And Is also, that the connection? Like, a lot of, like, when you, when you have um, Catholic priests in movies, they're very frequently like, oh, I was a boxer in my youth and stuff. <laughs> Again, is it because they're Irish or Italian? <laughs> Probably. And those people like to punch. I don't know. I say this again, isn't it? <laughs> That's going to be my disclaimer every episode is, it's okay, I'm Italian. But you, you're I'm not Irish. The Irish. <laughs> it's okay, I'm dating an Irish person. That's so, true. Right off the bat, I noticed that this episode features Guy Stockwell, 
who it turns out is Dean Stockwell's brother. So that was very exciting for mm-hmm. me, given how much I have been loving Dean Stockwell in this show. Yeah. Dean Stockwell is is the standout favorite. Yeah. Um, his brother looks nothing like him. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I googled him and like he did a lot of older films like black and white films and things, things like that. Um, and in his youth, I think he looked a bit more like I assumed this was his father when I first saw him because he's quite... You know, like, it's his older brother, but he's got, like, white hair. He's a bit paunchier, and so I guess I just assumed. But, um, yeah, Guy Stockwell. Hey! His face was covered in glasses and hair, though, so... That's true. <laughs> it's hard to tell. So, we opened the episode with Sam in the boxing ring, facing off against some boxer who doesn't matter. We never see him again. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But Sam gets, gets punched in the kisser and almost gets knocked out right away. Yeah. Then he gets up. For some reason, if I had leapt into this body, I absolutely would have stayed down and just been like, no, I, I do not get paid enough. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not getting paid anything right now. Exactly. You just, yeah. And uh, again, like the, 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 his leaping, I guess he's getting more accustomed to it. So there's this idea that like, oh, I'm a, I'm a boxer. Oh, shit. Like better box, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like, again, as I said on episode one, when everybody's telling him to fly a plane and he doesn't know how, but he just goes along with it. Like, I would just stay still and be like, I am not fighting. Like, yeah. I am disoriented and confused. And and I made a point, too, about the fact that like, he just right away starts being this guy and like interacting with people who know him mm-hmm. without knowing very much about this boxer at all. And it's like, how is it convincing at all? Like, you're, if, if I leapt into a boxer's body and just was myself, people would be like, what's wrong with you, Cody? Yeah. You're behaving like an entirely different person. But he just jumps in and starts like, oh, hey, hey, sister, what's her face? And like, just engaging with people who, who, who know him. It's very strange to me. Yeah, well, I mean, he's getting into the swing of it. This is his fourth leap. But he has no clue who this guy is yeah. yet. He has to do some research, but he has he has no time. Yeah, he's just it's you fake it till you make it, Kristen. It's stressing me out. So he's he's um accidentally, it seems, knocks out the guy he's boxing. Like it's a very weak, very offhand backhand punch that he kind of throws in the guy he's fighting, who looks a lot like Muhammad Ali, mm. just immediately falls over. Right. Which we learn We learn later that he took a dive. Yeah, but it's like, how was anyone convinced? It was a very unconvincing. Train, train time. It's time to... It's... Oh, that was a short one. Oh, fast train. Or maybe it was a plane. A short, short train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So so this guy looked like Muhammad Ali took a dive. It's surprising that, like, the world didn't say, like, hang like, on yeah, now. Like, like, this guy was kicking Sam's ass <laughs> for, like, a couple of minutes. yeah. Sam doesn't land a single punch and then just kind of like accidentally sticks his glove out to the side and he <laughs> walks into it. The guy like flies back and mm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they kind of bring it up when he's with his coach and the other guy and they're like uh, in, in the back room and they're fixing the cut on his face and they're like, I don't know, we punched you a little too hard if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Sam goes, you know, I barely touched that guy. I'm surprised it knocked him out. And then his coach, his trainer immediately goes like, oh my God, something's wrong. And like starts like doing that thing where he lifts up his eyelid and starts <laughs> checking out, checking him for concussions. Like, 
Which makes sense because yeah. if if he was told this guy's going to take a dive and then all of a sudden he's got amnesia, that would be of concern yeah. to be like, We're this guy got hit in the head pretty hard. He doesn't remember that, <laughs> that he's corrupt. <laughs> that he's corrupt. And that's the thing with boxers. They get, they get brain damage pretty easily. Yeah. Guess what? Their job is punching each other in the face. <laughs> Their job is traumatic brain injury. Yeah, which reminds me the amount of times the phrase cauliflower ear is used in this episode. At one point, get the cauliflower out of your ear, which I'm not sure <laughs> that means no. anything. That's not why the phrase exists. Yeah, that's not what that means. You know, boxers, your ears are always full of cauliflower, right? Like, not at all, guys talk well, not at all. But, like, it seems to me like that was the only boxing analogy the, the writer, Donald Bellisano, yeah. uh, knew before going into this and just didn't bother to look up either didn't bother or couldn't find anything else. Yeah. It's like, I mean, Google didn't exist. That's true. But he also knew, uh, uh, get your guard up. That came up once or twice. Right. Get right. your guard up. Like, if I was going to, if I had to be locked in a cave with no internet and had to write a boxing <laughs> movie, those might be the two references I would get to. Quick, it's fisticuffs. Yes. Queensbury rules. <laughs> Uh, Which I, I will go back to that moment because I thought that was like one of the one of the good pieces of acting, like quite kind of subtle foreshadowing of what's to come is when when Sam says, oh, I barely touched the guy. And mm-hmm. and uh, the trainer starts like check, like gets this weird concerned look. Like I thought that was like pretty, pretty good writing slash directing. Well, and the trainer was really good. I he thought was great, he was a yeah. pretty good actor and his moral dilemma was very fascinating. Mm-hmm. So um, seeing it off the bat, uh, mingled with um, his concern for him. I'm like, that's, that is a nice little moment. We learn a lot about that character real quick. Yeah, we learn a lot about the mo- the character and also about just the situation that we find ourselves in, if you're paying attention. Yeah, yeah. And then um, very soon after, uh, these two nuns come in. Your classic old nun, young nun combo. <laughs> I want to make a sitcom about this old nun and like, this young nun. I'm pretty convinced that the old nun actually was in Sister Act. <laughs> She's like the, a, working nun, a working nun in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so these two nuns come in and uh, he immediately is self-conscious of the fact that he's sitting there in shorts. Which is what he just fought in, in front of the nuns. Like, it's possible I missed audience. it. Like, it's not, did he, like, take off. take off his shorts and he was just wearing a belt? He was definitely wearing something under the towel. No, I'm pretty sure it was red shorts. Yeah. So, like, I feel like it was just the shorts he was wearing yeah. boxing. And the nuns come in and he suddenly feels really self-conscious and wraps a towel around him, which looks even more weird yeah. than the boxers. Yeah. Because that makes it look like he's naked. Yeah, and he keeps like adjusting it, like trying to figure out should I cover my chest? Yeah, or and also, my yeah, legs? he's making like, no attempt to cover his like bare torso. He's like, oh no, like I've got to cover the shorts that I'm wearing. The on- I have to cover the only piece of clothing that's on me. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And the nuns are like bashful about it too. Like, they're kind of, oh, oh no. Oh, oh, goodness me. The thing that we just saw him wearing in front of a crowd of people and possibly on television. I'm, I'm assuming it's televised, but it's probably not. That was only like state level boxing. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, we find out in this scene that the nuns, quote unquote, own him in that they inherited his boxing contract from whoever owned it before after he died. Yeah. Very nebulous backstory. Yeah, yeah. Like, who, who is it? Like, who's like? I'm a, I'm an eccentric millionaire, and I'm gonna donate this dude <laughs> a human to life the church, <laughs> to the Catholic Church. 
Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure the Catholics love it. <laughs> I guess, yeah. So, yeah, that, 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 that was interesting. We meet the old nun who doesn't really ever do anything again. She doesn't do much, no. No. And the young nun who starts off like the worst actor I've ever seen and then steadily becomes really great throughout the show. Yeah. So that was an interesting journey for me. Maybe it was her first time on set and like they re- they filmed the episode in sequence so she was learning on the job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sister Angela. Yeah, Sister Angela takes him to um the vacant lot where she's hoping to build a new chapel and starts like outlining takes a stick and starts outlining in the dirt like oh this is where the um the the front wall of the church the north wall of the church is going to be and then she takes like two steps to the left and goes like these are where the pews will be and then like one step forward and this is going to be the altar it's like this is like you're in a huge vacant lot but the church is apparently the size of like this apartment yeah this apartment is not huge, by the way. Um, it's a lovely apartment. Thank you. It's it's what I need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the church, a church should be bigger than my apartment. Yeah. Uh, is the point. And also, like, the things, like, should be more than a couple steps away from each other. I mean, maybe she's being realistic. How much money are they reasonably gonna get enough to the get the entire lot though it's not like they're gonna buy the lot and then build like a little matchstock chapel maybe match, she's gonna put box. a cemetery in <laughs> one of those inner city cemeteries you hear about <laughs> yeah um yeah i just wrote down again this nun is awful because yeah. at this point it's like yeah it seemed like adr like yeah. you you pointed that out and like, that's all of her dialogue is 100 percent adr'd and then, like in the first half of the show, I'm not Sam's, sure about later on. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about this scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sure. In this this outdoor exterior scene in the vacant lot, like she is 100% ADR. I think Sam is pretty frequently, and Al when he shows up, like it seems like a lot. Like maybe they just didn't know how to record audio outside, or <laughs> yeah. their boom broke or something. No. We got to stop writing outdoor scenes, but like it, it felt like. When you watch an older movie and a little kid comes on screen and they have the voice of a 30-year-old woman who's <laughs> trying to be a child. I'm trying to remember. I've seen that in so many films where all of a sudden they're like, Father, where are we going? And you're like, Ugh. Which is probably why I immediately disliked her because she did. there was this disconnect between the voice and the face. Yeah, it was it was extremely disconcerting. And like, if, if Bakula <laughs> was ADRing his voice, like at least he kind of managed to sync up a little better than this nun did. Yeah. And again, maybe she just got better at it. Maybe all of her stuff is because she had a lot of outdoor scenes. Maybe yeah. she just sort of got the hang of it in the recording studio. Or maybe it was just like this was the one day that their boom mic broke and they just had to go back into the studio. Yeah. It just felt very performative. Like everything mm-hmm. she's like, I think I'm going to put a pew here and I'm going to put a door here. I'm like, why are you talking like a yeah. cartoon? She's like, well, I'm, I'm in front of a microphone, aren't I? Isn't that how you talk? Um, Al shows up wearing a great bomber jacket that looks like gold tinfoil. It's fantastic. It's huge. It's got this enormous collar. Yeah, poofy sleeves. It's great. (laughs) Uh, What do I talk about this? Oh, this is is the one where uh, Al starts to tell him that, you know, in the original timeline. uh, Oh, no, no. Al isn't doing the timeline stuff yet. 
The main thing that I took yeah. away from this scene, the main thing I took away is uh, they set up that Al isn't getting any sleep <laughs> because his uh, his neighbor is fixing his car all night long. Which seems so irrelevant to me. Yeah. It's, what, what is the point of this B, like, D plot? And D, Dean, or Al, Al is uh, very dramatic about it. He's, like, yawning, and then he lies down on the ground and reclines and yeah. complains. He's like, oh, my neighbor. Like, Why is this taking a full... It's like they ran out of time, or they, they needed to fill two minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, they, they turned in a script that was, like, half a page too short, and they're like, oh, I'll tell you what, let's add... Two lines of dialogue to three scenes. Dean Stockwell was like, I don't feel like I'm doing enough in this episode. They're like, have we got the scene for you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he had, this was a very interesting episode for Al, I think, because he also, he offers to train Sam yeah. in boxing. Because he was a 16-year-old boxer in his youth. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, 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 Sam points out that, like, it's not going to work because his hand will go right through him, yeah. which I would debate. Like, do you really, I guess you need to be able to physically interact with someone for them to train you, but maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, like it's better than the nuns. Like he's, <laughs> he's, he's saying like, no, Al, you can't train me. I'm going to go train with this young nun instead. Yeah. But when he realizes I can't train Sam and Sam walks away and, Al is left all alone, and he looks really sad. It's weird. <laughs> a weird lingering shot on, like, Al, like, shadow boxing for a second and then feeling his paunch and then saying, well, I used to be real good. In the, in like, and his, the lights have been turned off in the room, so he's just at Al alone. Also in the imaging chamber, he's, like, not... Like, why doesn't he just, like, like open the door and walk out back to his regular life? There's so many questions, though, and, and this episode opened up a lot of questions for me about the science of the show that we'll get into when we when we approach it. But this one in particular is he's a neurological hologram. Yep. So if Sam walks away into another room, why are you still in the room being sad, looking around, being like, I'm not a boxer anymore? Or is yeah. he sad he that should... he can't touch Sam, which raises, which I think is intriguing too. Mm, mm. This is subtext. <laughs> oh, this is fun. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorites so far. Um, so at this point, what Sam needs to do <laughs> is grab all his stuff from his home because he's got to move in with the nuns mm-hmm. to save money, mm-hmm. which does not make sense to me because he has an apartment. Yeah. In which he lives with his girlfriend. So it's not like he can stop paying rent. But then he says to his girlfriend, they own me. Yeah. Whether it's in this scene or the next one. It's the next scene, but that's fine. So he mentions that again. But it's like, uh, so is she going to move in with him? Because I'm assuming they live together. They do live together. together. But no, she doesn't move in with him. To the church. Yeah, no. So he needs to continue paying rent on the apartment that his now girlfriend lives in alone. Yeah. How are they saving money? It ma- it makes no sense. They needed to get him to move into the church for... Actually, they didn't, actually. I'm, dry- I'm going Why? through the rest of the episode, and that's not a plot point. Yeah. It was very confusing to me, because it's like, if they were like, you and your girlfriend can come live in the church, which would not happen, because they're a Catholic church, and they were like, you're not living in sin under our roof. Is it possible they're married? Maybe. I mean, it's possible... It's possible. I don't have any counter evidence. 
Yeah, it's just that when he says, I, he, he phrases it like, I have to move into the yeah. church. He doesn't say, honey, guess what? We're going to live rent-free in a church. I would be like, great. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> like, I would love that. <laughs> if my boyfriend or husband came home and was like, guess what? We don't have to pay for where we're living. But, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, it yeah. was irrelevant anyway. So I kind <laughs> of bought it at the, mo- at the time. But now I'm thinking about it. A... Like, story-wise, there's no reason why he needed to move into the church. And B, logistically, within the story, there's no way... It wouldn't way save money. Wouldn't save money. Unless it's like they have to pay for his bus fare to and from the church every day. That seems minimal. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, but he's, he's, he's heading towards his apartment to grab his stuff in order to move into the church when he gets accosted by the uh, mobsters. This is our first glimpse of, uh, what was Steve Stockton? Guy Stockwell. Guy Stockwell. <laughs> Steve Stockton. I forgot his last name, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Guy Stockwell, uh, who's who threatens to shoot his kneecaps. Yep. If he doesn't agree with um, throwing the next fight. Yeah. The the big takeaway from this scene for me was uh, the the uh, the De Niro impression. Not De Niro. Uh, oh, uh, Brando. Marlon Brando. Yeah, the Marlon Brando Sorry. impression of from on the waterfront. <laughs> he just, he just, like, I don't know like was Bacula just like hey guys I have a really killer Brando impression I just you guys and he did it and they were like no you don't it's so bad <laughs> like, how do we tell him that he can't uh, do it uh, His agent's I could have been the contender it's like it's closer to Jerry Lewis than to Marlon Brando I could have been a contender I could have been a contender. <laughs> it was really rough, and everyone you could just feel everyone else in the car getting uncomfortable. Yeah, I know. Like, and the rest of the crew. <laughs> yeah, the camera just like droops down. Yeah, <laughs> like like starts shaking its head now. <laughs> you hear some sighs off camera. And then I'm in my head. Bones. I'm thinking like, on the waterfront, did that come out before 1974? Yeah, for sure it did. So like, at least he's making a reference that anyone would get. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if he wasn't? If he's like, um, if he like, he, he, he I'm did make him an offer. He can't refuse. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> he gets his brandos mixed up all, all right what what offer like what i would Are like okay? i would like you to take the dive please <laughs> no i made you the offer goes upstairs and meets his girlfriend dixie dixie is my favorite dixie is very good she's excellent and uh the whole point clearly is that they were like well she's gotta be marilyn monroe she's marilyn monroe like she looks like the hair is spot on she's got the mannerisms down pretty well yep um she's very marilyn monroe except that she's not she's just dixie but that's cool yeah um and yeah, she was great. Yep, she um she flounces everywhere she goes. She's flouncing and she's in this pink like robe and just just flouncing everywhere. Yep. Um in this scene she does do a bit of exposition and tells the boyfriend that she's known for a considerable time that her career is a topless go-go dancer. Right. It's like as you know, the way I earn my living is uh through topless dancing. Yep. This will pay off later. Yeah, for some reason, I think I was taking a note about how much I love her um, in this in this scene because I missed the fact that she was a topless dancer because that comes back 
real strong later in this mm-hmm. episode. In a real creepy way. In a weird way. Yeah, we'll get back to that. I did point out that this uh, she's got a lot of cleave for TV going on in this period. That was surprising to me that yeah. uh, we, we saw quite a bit of Dixie. In she this. seems to be only wearing a bathrobe. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But that's cool. You know, you 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 do you do you Dixie. But then when she answered the door, <laughs> that was my favorite. Uh, so who was so this that guy was comes Rocco, to the, door. the the um, Rocco. I, I think Rocco, the um, the the loan not loan shark uh, gambling uh, bookie. He was a bookie, right, right, right. Who works? We find out later. He works for for Guy, guy Stockwell. Stockwell. And so it's that uh, kid Cody owes him money. Yeah, he bet on the horses or something like that, and he owes he owes Rocco a couple hundred bucks. Right. So there's a knock at the door. Dixie opens the door in her pink bathrobe with a lot of cleavage and uh, this like bookie. This greasy kind of uh, houndstooth jacket wearing guy. Just immediately uh, like eyes her entire body and says like, oh. Or, or I think no, it's like, just oh. Says, oh, Dixie. I think that was <laughs> it's like, oh, Dixie. And she slams the door on him. And I thought that scene was... Just that interaction was incredible. That if you watch this episode, watch it for that. That one like three second shot of her opening oh, the door, him looking her up and down, her closing the door. Those are the two best actors in this show. Absolutely, I, it was hilarious. And then, um, yeah, she opens the door again, or she she talks it out with Sam, and they talk about the money or whatever. Yeah, she decides to pay Rocco. She opens the door again, throws it at him. He bends over to pick up the envelope. And then she slams the door on him again, which hits his head because he bent yeah. over to pick up the envelope. So you just hear behind, muffled behind a door like, oh. No, this is this is, this is actually another pretty good joke. Good good job, Donald P. That Was whole that, scene. When she's throwing the money at him, she says, like, if you ever come between me and my husband again, or my boyfriend again, I'll bust your nose. She throws yeah. the money at him. He bends over. He, she slams the door and he goes, you busted my nose. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It was really good. Oh, yeah, it was excellent. Yep. Um, and then for no reason, uh, oh, uh, Sam tells her, Sam tells her that uh, he needs to move in with the nuns. She asks why. He says because they own me. She says I thought I owned you and you owned me. And then she opens up her bathrobe. She takes and off her bathrobe. Shows him her boobs and. That was the end of the scene, right? <laughs> over, over, uh, uh, or an underscoring of uh, Amazing Grace. Oh. She, she takes off her uh, top. We see the reverse shot of her back and Sam's face staring at her boobs. And then Amazing Grace comes in. With this, like, beautiful rendition. Yeah. And, uh, and we transition to Sam arriving at the church. Now, okay. So this boob sequence. Yeah. First of all, I thought I owned you or whatever. Opens her bathrobe. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Okay. So, like, that's how that's how you get him. It's already, like, an interesting thing. The idea that he's powerless at the, at the sight of her breasts. And then with Amazing Grace in the background. Now I understand this is a very God-heavy episode. But that made it very, like, the, the boobs are Yeah, are the promised savior. land. Yeah. Oh, also, earlier in the scene, she referred to her boobs... She said, uh, the mountains are starting to move towards Mohammed. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? The religious analogies with her, bre- with her breasts. 
first of all. And also that it's like, okay, she's a topless go-go dancer. Yeah. They mention a couple times throughout the episode, like, this is how you, like, you earn your living through being topless. Yeah. And she gets him back on side by showing him her breasts. Like, her way of navigating the world is very, um, you know, the myth of, 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 uh, of uh, Helen of Troy, or not the myth, the story of Helen of Troy when uh, Menelaus takes her back or something? Um, <laughs> no, not specifically. So Helen of Troy runs off with Paris. Yeah. Of, well, she's not of Troy. She was of Sparta, but she ran off with Paris, who was a prince of, of Troy. Troy. So she became Helen of Troy. Um, <laughs> and Paris, I think, gets killed. I don't remember. But anyway, Menelaus takes... Hel- er, is, is coming to get Helen, basically. There was a whole war about it, yeah, if you didn't that's know. that's what the Iliad is about? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, and then Menelaus is about to, I think, kill Helen, because she ran off with another man. Um, and she <laughs> pleads with him not to and shows him her breasts. And then he's like, never mind, I love you again. So it's yeah. very disturbing. Um <laughs> Deeply. Um, but that's, uh, I guess what I'm getting at is there's a long history of women just exposing their breasts to um Yeah, well, all culture was created way. by 12-year-old boys. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So this this story just kind of reminded me of that. That's all. I still love Dixie. I just... <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I want more for her. The thing I want that I love her. about this episode is that, you know, usually when you have this kind of thing... Of like, oh, she's uh, a woman who's been kind of acculturated to to use her body to get what she wants. And then later on, we'll find out Sam is planning to use her body to get what he wants. But then usually there's like kind of some turnabout at the end where it's like, oh, no, she's more than just a, a pair of breasts. In this case, we not textually, we don't get any kind of uh, acknowledgement from Donald P. Belisario that she is anything other than a hot woman. But the performance is there. Like yeah. it's, it's like she's a really good actor. It's conflicting because, uh, yeah, on on the one hand, I guess it's a little empowering in a way that it's like, well, if I'm in the seventies and you know whatever, I might as well use my body to my own advantage or whatever. And or, I'm like, or to my boyfriend's advantage, as the case well, may be. Well, that's where my problem is, yeah. and we'll get to that later. But like, it, it, yeah, it's it's. An, it's an interesting scenario anyway. But but the performance is great in that like oh, you can see that there's more depth to the character even though nobody textually acknowledges that. That's right. Yeah. But where we transition to Sam arriving at the church and suddenly the uh, the singing of Amazing Grace has become yeah. diegetic. It's now just somebody singing in the church. <laughs> Again, somebody really beautifully singing for like a weird like small inner city church. Oh yeah, it's clearly not Sister Angela, and it's not the old nun. No, who is it? I don't know. That's what I want to know. I'm like, who did you get? Like, who? I don't know. They were excellent. Sam starts singing along, and he's got like quite a nice singing voice he's, as well. I heard a little vibrato a in little there. A little vibrato, yeah. He's, um, <laughs> we'll find out later that he's a, a decent singer in his own right, but that's the first like uh, uh, hint of that to come. Yeah. But Sam starts singing along, and then he himself is interrupted by... Snoring from Al, Al, yeah, um, which raises a lot of questions for me. Do you mind if I go into a, like a couple of different theories of? Please do, because I'm confused. 
So Al <laughs> appears in Sam's room already asleep. So that means either Al was taking a nap in the imaging chamber and somebody decided to switch it on. Mm. Or Sam got into the imaging chamber to see Sam. And before anybody could actually get it started, he fell asleep. (laughs) Those are the only two options, right? Yeah. This show treats their relationship as though Al is just always there, kind of, in his mind. I mean, like, in a way, like, he can show up at any time. Yeah. In any way. Yeah, he, but but still, there's a quite a clear delineation. Either he's there or he's not. Yeah, but, like, in this case, this is where, yeah, they, they start kind of fucking around with the science of it again. Yeah. Like, the same notion of how is he in a room that we see Sam not in, you know? Or in the last episode, how can he stick his head into a cupboard and see things that Sam can't see? Exactly, exactly. The science is flawed, as yeah. we've discovered. Your theories sound good. I don't think that Belisario... One of those things must be true. It must be, but I just don't think the writer cared. <laughs> yeah. I think he just thought it'd be cute. But it's it's very galling to me. <laughs> well, yeah, there like I said, there's some science stuff in this in this episode. Like, okay, well, I'll bring up the other thing that I was thinking of because eventually we get to this training montage yeah. where he's working out like crazy. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, because I hate working out, that really sucks that he spends so much time exercising and training and working out and it's not going to have any actual effect on his body. It's just going to be... Well, it still is his body. Okay, explain it to me then. Because this is my this was my big problem is where does his body go? Yeah. What's going on? It's, it's kind of not made super clear. Maybe they will clear it up in a future episode. But I think... No, they have uh, to some extent talked about it. I think they talked about it with Tom Stratton. Okay. Um, but the thing is like he physically does switch his body with the other body. So it is Sam's human body... In the current time, in 1974, and the kid Cody is in a holding chamber back at Quantum Leap headquarters. The thing is that the thing that does that is confusing about it is that for some reason everybody else sees and hears Kim, uh, kid Cody, and we have no scientific explanation between no, that. Not really. Um, you'd think it would make more sense just to say he switches consciousness with these people, but no, they have established that he does physically switch bodies. Okay. Because uh, that raise, that's going to be an interesting thing in the future. Like, what if he does an episode where he switches spots with, like, an extreme weightlifter or a ballerina? Like, all of a sudden he's mm-hmm. Black Swan and he's like, oh, I can't dance on point. Like, um, well, I mean, to some I extent. I look forward to exploring the possibilities. To some extent, like, that's. Um, kind of the fun of the show, you'd think. And, and also you'd think that, you know, fun. when they, they, I mean, they show. start, a couple episodes they were referring to, you know, whatever force it is that's causing him to leap. They call it God, time, fate, or whatever, or something like that. And in this one, they start overtly saying God. God has put me here for this reason. And you have to figure that God, in whatever sense they mean it, wouldn't put him in a situation that he couldn't handle. So you raise an interesting point, which I kind of addressed a little bit at the beginning about how religious-y this, this episode is. Yeah. I kind of forgot that as as it started, and he's in the body of the boxer, he 
he said something about like, I know I'm not, oh, because he's talking about the last episode where he meddled with Donna's life. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I know I'm not supposed to use this leaping thing to my personal gain, but uh, I'm hoping the man upstairs will understand understand and like talks about like he or i don't know he and and they like they pan up to the sky with the sun streaming through the clouds so it's clearly god yeah because there was a part of me that's like maybe he means the computer like (laughs) maybe he means al but like all of a sudden yeah you're right like god it's very it very much becomes about god putting him in these situations and the randomness of it i guess makes as much sense as a computer randomly teleporting him to different times and Mm -hmm. places which is i guess what i was thinking before but now i'm like it's a little touched by an angel-y it is it is for sure like does this keep happening like is it overtly a god show no okay in in my in my recollection no i think like this one is a little more religious-y than others because it has to do with nuns, and that's <laughs> as much a boxing trope as it is this show. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I do think it does... We talk about this 1989 progressivism uh, that this show embodies, in which people are still kind of like, yes, religion is better than no religion, and Christianity is, of course, the best religion. You know right. what I mean? That yeah. That we still maybe <laughs> hadn't gotten quite as much information about the Catholic Church as we now have, stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I think even today, like when you look at a show like um, um, The Good Place, like they really go out of their way to make it not specifically Christian. Right. So this is kind of my modern brain, like my modern TV brain being like, oh, this is a lot, like like a lot more talk of yeah of God than I'm used to on television. Yeah. And it's it's weird because also like... They really, like, for instance, with that scene where um, where Dixie takes off her top and, like, Amazing Grace starts to play in the underscoring, like, they seem to be poking fun at religion as much as kind of hyping it up. Yeah, it was an interesting relationship with it. Because yeah. it, it just felt kind of opportunistic of the show a little bit to, to be like, it's about God. Like, all of a sudden we're going to talk about, you know, God will forgive me for... What I did to Donna last episode, and God sent me here. Yeah. And it's like, like it was very touched by an angel in that way, except that touched by an angel was so overtly Christian that it would never yeah. dream of mocking yeah. Christianity. Yeah. Um, uh, and that was, yeah, like specific, like the entire premise of that show was, uh, was specifically Christian, whereas this yeah. one is, is a science fiction show. That kind of delves into different genres, and and again, I think the the premise of this show is that, um, you know, he created this time machine, and then God, time, fate, or whatever, kind of co opted that to to do its own thing. That's kind of what it is. Is that up till now, it has been very God, time, fate, whatever. Yeah. You know, like it it hasn't really addressed any of it. Yeah. So this was the first time we've overtly... I mean, I guess it's just Sam thinking about God, so yeah. we, we don't know. And Sam is a farm boy from Indiana, so yeah, probably Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, again, if we're getting into the idea of Swiss cheese memory and his Swiss, Swiss cheese personality, maybe, like, the boxer Cody is, is very probably Catholic, Catholic and yeah. so maybe that might be bleeding in that way a bit. That's possible. That's very true. Very true. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to, to get... Oh, speaking of kind of 
weird morality uh, when Al is caught sleeping on the floor of the imaging chamber and he starts talking in his sleep. He specifically says, Denise, get in the closet. No, there's no other girl here, Tina. This is, again, just... Al's love life. Not very subtle writing, giving us information about who uh, who Al is as a person. Right yeah. up there, right up there with the di- line of dialogue about how you know he there were a couple of wives he wished had left him at the altar. Well, and he follows the the sleeping sleep talking thing with um, a statement about someone who's got the most incredible pair of dot dot dot. And Sam was like, "Hey, we're in a church again," because Sam, as we've established, yeah. is very Christian. Um, he's like, "Uh, okay, boxing gloves." It's like, well. I mean, you you both are alone in the basement of this church or whatever, and uh, like, we you know kidding? what you're talking about. God knows what you're talking about. And also, technically, Al <laughs> isn't in a church. Sam, yeah. Al is in the imaging chamber, so presumably he can say whatever he wants. I'm in a strip club. <laughs> That's all I got from that scene. Uh, he complains more about the, the uh, guy next door fixing his car all night long. Yeah, the Al contribution in this episode yeah. was more about his own personal life, yeah. which was interesting. Um, so we're 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 now in a bar where Sam is trying to convince his old trainer to take him back, and he's drinking like a Harry Potter brew. It's uh, we see the um, the bartender making this drink, and like part of it is like he's he's taking he's drinking from the bartender himself is drinking from a bottle of beer and then pouring the rest of that beer into the glass and then coughing on his hand and using that hand to like grab an orange peel that he then pours a drink over or something it's like very elaborate he hands a piece of ice to one customer who then passes it to the guy next to him at the bar and next to him and next to him and next to him while the bartender is walking over to sam the last uh customer at the bar plops the ice cube into the uh drink and then the bartender puts it in front of sam like what the fuck is this drink is my question it's like smoking or it's like liquid nitrogen or or what do you call it yeah that's dry ice dry ice yeah that's probably that's what it was was like that ice cube they were passing is actually like liquid is is solid nitrogen were they handling it with their fingers yeah well then it can't be yeah no but what but (laughs) what is this drink yeah (laughs) i mean i guess like the point of it is you know uh the idea is that you know uh, people who are in training aren't supposed to drink and this is clearly like the most alcoholic drink of all time. But like it's this combination of this bartender is super sleazy and unhygienic. Yeah. But also amazing. Yeah, like, like a, a real great... mixologist. Yeah. <laughs> so like how good is he if he's like I'm just gonna drink some of this beer he's and then pour it in this gross dive bar let me just also, cough right in your glass here. All the other patrons of the bar are participating <laughs> as well. They're like what is this bar? <laughs> it's like Hobbit level like pass the plates and do the dishes like yeah teamwork it's like it's um you know what this is it's one of those like secret bars where like there was a password to get in and the theme of the bar is like gross dive bar but it's also like the most elaborate cocktails that you could possibly imagine yeah it's a secret society of like mixologists Mm -hmm. who yeah there's a different theme every week and this theme was gross dive bar but next week it's gonna be like 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 uh 1800s British explorer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Antarctic uh, expedition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. Uh, 
that's where I realized the coach is a pretty good actor. Yeah, the coach is pretty good. Yeah, he had some, like, he was really struggling with this moral dilemma and this interesting concept of he doesn't want to train a guy who, the kind of boxer who takes dives and is dirty. Yeah, and then Guy Stockwell arrives and, and we find out that the the trainer himself, when he used to be a boxer, was like an artist at taking dives. And so that's why that explains the moral quandary. He like he's ashamed of his past, and now he doesn't want to like help contribute to the the uh, corruption of boxing or whatever. And is that what the phrase "rumdum" is? Because Guy Stockwell repeatedly calls the coach "rumdum." Rumdum, which I assume just means like you're you're such an alcoholic that you're you've lost kind you're of mental faculties. Yeah, I don't it's know. It's kind of like rope a dope. <laughs> Rope a dope, but then, then that's and it's a very short scene where Sam is like, "Train me," and the guy is like, "No, I don't want to train you." And then guy shows up and says like, "Oh, you're talking to this guy? Oh, he used to take dives. He walks away." And then the trainer's like, "You got yourself a trainer." It's like there's no kind of <laughs> cause and effect here. Yeah, yeah. For all he knows, Sam is still gonna take. I don't know. He didn't really work too hard to convince him that yeah. he's not gonna take the dive. Yeah, and then we have a training montage. No, before the training montage, we have uh, uh, Sam getting into the uh, ring with the priest. Uh, Oh, yeah. The the beginning of the, I guess it's kind of the beginning, but they have uh, um, Sam, his first sparring in his new kind of training regimen is against this like 65-year-old priest who who, floors him, who just kicks his ass. And (laughs) I just have to mention, he's wearing his kind of boxing jock strap thing on the outside of his sweatpants and it is not a good look i didn't really it's see it it's really horrifying it's like worse than sam in his boxing shorts that he was ashamed to show in front of the uh, nuns it's like this looks obscene yeah it's like a black leather padded jock strap (laughs) over top of gray sweatpants I was trying to think, like, well, maybe that's how the priest practices modesty. But I'm like, nope, he'd wear it underneath. Yeah, underneath. (laughs) Never mind. Anyway, so, yeah, the the point of this is to show how out of shape Sam is that he gets his ass kicked by this old, old man. Yeah. And then we begin the training montage. Where Sister Angela is just having the time of her life. The best one is when uh, Sam is skipping rope, starting to skip rope, <laughs> and she just jumps in and starts jumping rope with him. But like smiling, like smiling a girl and like doing rope. a three sixty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like she's like doing double touch, but he's like, no, I'm, this is my cardio. Like I really, I cannot do this with both of us. <laughs> Yeah, so that was fun. And this is like, they, they split the training montage into two halves. So instead of seeing him, like, at the beginning of the montage being bad and it ends and he's very good, it's instead we see one training montage of him being very bad. <laughs> and then we'll get a little more dialogue. And then eventually the second half of the training montage where he's suddenly in shape. Oh, yeah. I would be so mad. I would be so mad if you dropped me in a different time and place and body and were like, you have to work out like crazy for a few days I was like, Fuck. but it makes me like i don't understand because well at some point al shows up after after the uh second half where he's like in shape now and he says oh sam you're looking trim i'm like how long has sam been here yeah like how has he been here for like a year like or even like a week, maybe like he could go down a couple pounds, but like maybe oh, if he was working really yeah. fucking crazily, sure. But also, he needs to learn how to box in this entire. Well, he, he doesn't end up being a very good boxer, as we'll come to, right? But uh, but 
Like how? Yeah, you, you don't just do that in a weekend. Yeah, you don't get noticeably trim until like eh, maybe a month. A month, if you're if you're working out hard, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, in between these two um, these two training montages in which he suddenly learns how to box, we have this bicycle scene, which again, classic classic um, uh, boxing movie trope, where he's running, he's holding two bricks because Scott Bakula can't handle cinder blocks, apparently. Uh, which is, that's Rocky. Uh, his montage has him running with, like, holding two cinder, cinder blocks. Right. He, Scott Bakula cannot handle that. He's just carrying two like, smallish tiny bricks. Tiny little bricks. Uh, and Sister Angela is riding the bike alongside him to set pace. Yeah, and, they, and we learn about Sister Angela's past which is uh you know she had a tough time and she delivers like a nice performance now yeah, all of a that's sudden. like like for sure like a good audition monologue i think you were right when because i was like all of a sudden she's really great as an actor what happened you were like this was probably her audition monologue like that's absolutely it like she that's worked it. with a coach yeah to get like every single beat and every moment yeah. and the tears happen here i'm sure that's what it was mm-hmm. um maybe but then again, she's good for the rest of the show, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's like she's been good all along, but the ADR fucked her up. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, they they also like they they um, do this scene where uh, Sam is like, you know, tell me about your backstory because this is something that's important to the listening audience. We need three more pages of dialogue. And so she starts her story by saying, like, oh, I used to live in a castle. Not a real castle, silly. Just it a was a castle house. of my imagination. But then they just stick with this fucking castle monologue for the entire rest of the... Uh, and like the, She used to have a, a, a tree house, and then her parents died, and she had to, like, she went, ended up living on the streets, and blah, blah, blah. And then the Catholic Church took her in, and now she's trying to build a, a new chapel so to help people like her. And again, that's a, like a lovely backstory. Very good. But yeah. this fucking castle monologue, she's like, oh, I want to build a, a, a new chapel. And he goes, ah, a new castle. It's like, why is that what you latched on like. to? You didn't latch on to like the drug use or the teen pregnancy or whatever that she was talking about. But like, it's like, oh, I see. This is about castles. Mm. <laughs> you just really want a castle again, you spoiled brat. And well, that's just like for the entire rest of the episode. It's like castle this and castle that. He keeps that. bringing it up like, we got to build your castle. And she's like, I regret you that turn of phrase so much. <laughs> Let go of this castle, It Cody. was a metaphor, dude. <laughs> You know I actually don't want a castle, right? Like, like it's churches a are a different thing. They're a, it's a different thing. It's for he helping people. a blueprint of, like, the Magic Kingdom yeah. Cinderella castle. Yeah, that's castle. where we find out that his uh, fourth PhD is in uh, architecture, and he, like, <laughs> does a design. It's like, this isn't a chapel. This isn't what I want, Sam. Now, I think we can afford it if we just used forced perspective. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just get, like, a bunch of uh, very short nuns. <laughs> it's going to look huge. <laughs> Again, it does not need to be a castle. Uh, I think you could, like, probably, like, get rid of some of these turrets and use the money to feed the homeless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't need, we don't need a Cody. Um, I don't know why at this point I wrote the phrase, did they forget the point of the show all of a sudden? Oh, I wonder what that was. And I don't remember why. Oh, let's rewatch it. Because that seems significant. Let's just rewatch the. Yeah, because that does seem like it's worth flagging. That's a really significant point. What's that? What's the the note before and after that? 
this sucks for him. He does all this working out, but it's not his body, yeah. which raises a bunch of questions, actually, which you answered. Yeah. And then I said, did they forget about the point of the show all of a sudden? Uh-huh. And then I wrote, Dean Stockwell seems really shifty and sad this episode. What What was that? Did they forget the point of the show all of a sudden? I mean, uh, what... What do I think the point of the show is? Did I mean the point of this episode? Oh, because, okay, if he's got to fix something. Well, we, we know that the, well, the thing that he's trying to fix is that Kid Cody yeah. took a dive and he doesn't want to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What is the point of this show? What are we doing? Why are we here? <laughs> this is the last episode. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to all four episodes of... Oh boy, no. Um, uh, if I remember, I'll let you know. But yeah. I got real <laughs> lost at one point. Apparently, the next note I have here is uh, Sam's solution to uh, Al's problem of his next door neighbor with the the loud car, and it's to stay up all night recording the neighbor, and then the next morning when the neighbor is trying to sleep, play it back for him, <laughs> which is not a solution to the problem. No. I mean, A, like, household speakers won't be loud enough. So you have to get some, like, real industrial theatrical speakers or something like that. And then you're just escalating things. Yeah, you could file a noise complaint with the, like, I'm I'm sure some city thing about, like, reasonable enjoyment. Or is that probably just an apartment thing? But No, I think you can, you can call the cops on a noise complaint. Yeah. There's ways to do this. Like it's four in the morning. This guy's running his fucking muffler. Yeah, you you could absolutely call the cops on that. Yeah, it's also like, Who? he just says, Sam just says, I've come up with the idea. This is what you're going to do. Al goes, yeah, I think that might work. And that's the end of that plot. Maybe in the future, speakers are a lot louder. But I hope like next episode, we at least Al shows up. I was like, oh, by the way, that thing you suggested, that really worked. Like, <laughs> The guy was really mad. He, he was did really not mad. like it. He beat me he up. Ripped then we my came, arm off. Then we came to an understanding. <laughs> yeah, I hope they follow through. But I, they won't because no. that's not how episodic plots work. But well, here's the thing: because my next note says Nixon and Watergate again. Yeah, talking about the how one, episodic plots work. The one um, uh, kind of historical reference that Donald P. has. It's like, yeah, Watergate happened in 1963. Oh, what's something that happens in the past? Something something big and political. I don't know, Watergate and Nixon. It's like, you gotta, other stuff happened. I also like, I mean, this, it's also, it, it tells us that Sam has leapt like a year into the future, which means that like, in the entirety of history between yeah. 1955, which again, I think is the, the earliest Sam can leap to, and then 1996, which I think is where we determined the quote-unquote present is, we've got 41 years to play with there. And we've leapt into 1956, 1968, 1972, and 1974. Yeah. And those are the, f- the four places we've leapt, or time periods we've lef- leapt to. Yeah, we need a bit of variety in yeah. there. Like, especially these two episodes back to back, like, Nixon Watergate is going on right now. And then all of a sudden, Nixon Watergate just happened. Like, I'm like, they could have just really recycled interested. the same costumes. It was especially because last episode was so, like, oh, like, you know, peace, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, this one has very little to do with the time. No. Like, this could happen in any time like, period. Like, Sam is wearing, like, a checkerboard 
pattern pants at some point, I think. But it's kind of timeless. And I guess if you were like, if you were using a character who was even referencing Muhammad Ali, like, sure, you need. Oh, yeah, that's that's the way that it comes into play. We'll find that out later. Oh, we will. Yeah, Did it, I miss it does big... come into play, but okay. Um, that's, All right. that's that's a good mental note. Spoilers. <laughs> the year will become important later when uh, Sam pulls a biff. All right. Um. Yeah. Okay. Nixon Watergate again. Oh, they need yeah another. They need another boxing saying than cauliflower ears because that's when Guy Stockwell comes and says you got cauliflower in her, in your ears. We talked about that. Yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So then we have the conversation with him and Dixie. Yeah. And the boxing match and this the, the pro- real uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. Um. Oh, so when they were in the bar in the last scene, um, they saw on TV somebody streaking at a ball game. Oh, yeah. Which gives Sam a deliciously awful idea. (laughs) Was the person streaking in the game on TV, like, just some dude? Yeah, it was just some some rando streaker. Because here's another thing. Like, sure, ladies streak sometimes. I'm sure. (laughs) But, like, most often when you see, like, a sports game... A, a sports ball game yep. where, um, like, a streaker runs through the field. It's usually a dude. It's 100% a man. Because they're usually drunk or something, and they it, it's not... And women don't watch sports, so... Women don't watch sports. <laughs> and also, it's it's hard enough going through this world as a woman fully clothed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to say, like, women just aren't stupid enough to run naked through a crowd of people because yeah. it would be the end of them. Yeah. Um, so the fact that Sam proposes to Dixie, like, that she should streak and distract the tiger, whatever his yeah. name is. Tiger Jackson. Yeah. Sure. Tiger Jackson. Tiger Jackson Lee. Yeah. So that he can get a punch in. Yeah. This which is, is also ridiculous. It's like, why don't you get her to scream and pretend to faint? Yeah. Or like, ring a giant bell. Or yeah. like, The idea is she's going to streak through the audience to distract the guy he's fighting, which... I mean, if you are in a boxing match at a high level... Surely, like, your focus is, like, not on the crowd. You, yeah. I wouldn't even fucking notice. No. Yeah, that, it, it's, first of all, it's, it's a bet. Like, like, this is all a big gamble anyway. Yeah. And as you just mentioned, he's, like, like it's not, it, it is a dangerous thing he's asking Dixie to do. Yeah, he, he could have asked um, his coach or, like, I don't know, maybe he could have got or paid, like, some dude on the street be like, hey. I want you to just streak. I'll give you a hundred bucks. Well, I think the idea is not just that they're going to get distracted by the existence of there being a streaker, but she's a beautiful woman who's streaking, and that will distract. she clearly has magical breasts. Magical breasts (laughs) that cause uh, you hear... Hypnotic. You hear hymns. (laughs) Hypnotic singing breasts. So I guess there's that element. That's it. She was distracted by the music, not by the the streaking. (laughs) He's like, is there singing coming from that woman's breasts? Um, <laughs> so like, I, I guess, I guess, but like, and she's really sad about it. Yeah. She's like, oh, you're, and, and she's, he's like, uh, she, uh, she's like, oh, you, I'm not going to streak. And she goes, he goes, well, I couldn't very well ask sister Angela to do it. And she's like, oh, but you're willing to ask a tramp like me. Which is absolutely true. That is absolutely what Sam is doing. Yeah. It's like, and, and he says something like, 
you're not a tramp. You're a stripper. That's a profession. It's like, yeah, but she's not at work all the time. Yeah. And yeah, this is kind of like what I was thinking about before. Like, sure, when she's stripping, it's empowered. You could argue that it's empowered because she's in control of it. She's making money. Yep. She's deciding what when, when she takes them out or whatever. But like, yeah, to have him... Yeah, that's something you don't ask. Yeah, and also, like, since we're talking about it, like, this is supposed to be the, the God episode where Sam is like... Again, the title of the episode is Right Hand of God, and Sam does some real shady shit in the last third of this episode. Yeah, and again, this is not your girlfriend even. So you are disguised as her boyfriend, mm-hmm. convincing her to streak for your benefit. You know what well, I mean? F- and and his... and. Yeah. Train. train time. Short train. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. So yes, it's to Cody's benefit as well. Yeah. And and again, by extension, her, he's like hoping to win them money. But still. Cody was taking dives for money, possibly because he has this beautiful girlfriend that he loves. And he's doing the best he can. Yeah. You know, sure, it's kind of dirty because he's, you know, rigging boxing matches. But like... Whatever. And for all we know, yeah, he would never ask Dixie to do such a thing. Yeah. Maybe Cody is such a, like, such a good loving man that when he comes back to his body and Dixie's like, I'm so glad the streaking thing worked. And you, and he's like, what? What the fuck? And, and she's like, well, you made me do this. He's like, why would I ever? I'm so I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Dixie. She's that... like, I know I was crying, but you convinced me to do it. And he's like. Who, who, who have I become? <laughs> I think Cody's like disgusted with himself after That's this That's the thing. Episode. Like Sam, like Sam, like his whole thing is like. <laughs> what have I become? <laughs> Sam Sam is like yeah um oh it's like taking a dive is such like a, a a dishonorable thing that Sam is here to save him from that fate but he's doing some much worse gross stuff and isn't it still kind of cheating I mean I guess taking a dive and oh, it's cheating sure to cheating. win are different things because he wants the money for the church yeah okay so like but it's, it's still two extremely end. cheating in different in many different ways. And the fact that, okay, so like, yeah, you mentioned the fact that this is the religious episode too, so that's kind of strange. And it is because the church is depending on these two people to get them this money, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're depending on this boxer to put his physical safety at risk. And again, and kind of like Dixie, he's using his body to make money the way he knows how to, um, even if it's, you know, not something that... It's not very wholesome. Yeah, according to some. Yeah. Probably Catholics. <laughs> like, yeah. it, some, possibly these nuns, but they're totally down. They're like, yeah, beat up another guy. Get us that money, buddy. And uh, and then he's like, yeah, and my stripper girlfriend's going to help. And the nuns are like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Use your bodies for the church. It's very strange. Yeah. And, and like, in a moment, we'll, we'll find out that the sister Angela um, has heard that uh, Sam is going to take a dive and she's uh, very disappointed very disappointed in him proving that she actually does care where the, this money is coming from mm-hmm. like it's important to her that that this be done in an honorable way or whatever in a moral way and he's just throwing all of that out the window and cheating in any way he knows how I mean I think Sister Angela should uh, stand up for what's right and do the streaking herself <laughs> yeah if that's if that's 
what it takes uh, if, if it's for the greater good and that church is really uh, for the greater good, then why not, Sister Angela? And I imagine Belisario, in, as a third person in this conversation, being like, yeah, but like Dixie strips for a living and Sister Angela is morally upright is a for nun, a living. Yeah. And then I have lots of problems with that. Yep. Um, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of stuff comes up in this that uh, it's a real moral quandary. Yeah, why, like, what, if he just told Sister Angela, like, I'm gonna get my girlfriend to streak so that I can win, she absolutely would say no. She was like, please don't do that. Don't do that. I met Dixie. She seems like a lovely lady. Yeah, she'd go talk to Dixie and be like, is this what you want? Are you okay with that? Please don't do this. (laughs) Anyway, so now... Again, like, she's crying about it. She's real sad. And then at the end, she's just like, fine with it. We did it. Yeah. Even when she's, when she's like, taking off her, 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 you know, trench coat or whatever so she can start streaking, she's smiling. She's like, everybody, look at me. <laughs> it's like Stockholm Syndrome. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we're, I think we're... Stockwell Syndrome. Stockwell Syndrome. <laughs> All right. I think we're at the fight. This is the big fight. Yeah, we're at the big fight. I don't have very many notes. I, I said that Al looks like he's in Dick Tracy. He's yeah, dressed he's, very well. He wears a lot of fedoras. Fedoras, suspenders, and this like bright red, bright yellows. He's very Dick Tracy. He's yeah. very cool. Um, I will I will say, like again, I don't know anything about boxing, mm-hmm. but this is bad boxing. Like You think like Sam has been training for this fight for like... I don't know, somewhere between a day and a month, right? <laughs> he walks in and his guard is like kind of around his chest. Like he's not guarding his face even at all. Yeah, I um, mean, I know I know nothing about, I know even yeah. less about boxing. So I, I didn't clock any of that. I'm like, it's sure, like, sure. They're throwing so many face punches that could have been guarded. And then in a little bit when uh, Tiger, Tiger Monaghan or whatever, <laughs> uh, he like he, he starts losing the fight. It's because his, his guard is like, he's holding his fists like, a foot and a half apart on either side of his face. And Sam's just getting all the punches like right in between them. Neither of these, and this guy is supposed to be the heavyweight champion of California. Neither of these guys is actually protecting their face in any way. Yeah, so they're fighting, whatever, and Sam's getting pummeled, I think, when he looks at Dixie. And gives her a big nod, a very overt nod. Yeah, she 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 actually like from the audience looks at him and goes now, and he goes yes. <laughs> Which again, I probably could get him kicked out of the boxing yeah, federation so or whatever. Be like who are you talking to? What are you planning? What's going on? She takes off her. Um, She's her wearing a lovely coat. green trench coat. Yeah, with a little green like fascinator hat. That's true. In she her hair. Was very she good. really dressed up. That's even more sad. <laughs> So she really, she was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to look my best. She's going to wear. If look, like, streaking or not, this is my one day out. Streaking or not, I'm putting my Sunday hat on. <laughs> Nobody said anything about what I can do with my hair. And just like, yeah, and enthusiastically, she has, she has psyched herself into this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, takes it off and runs through, flounces out, completely nude. Guy Stockwell specifically takes note. Yep. The boxer. Because he loves streaking. Like, he got so excited when he saw that guy streaking in the bar. Yeah. Like, on TV. He was like, hey, it's a streaker. Hey. And then at the boxing match, he's like, hey, it's a streaker. Like, and he, it's a lady one. He's really entertained by the notion of streaking. Yeah. I imagine this is like a 70-year-old man. Yeah. I like to imagine that streaking has only now become a thing. 
like it's a novelty. Oh, it was invented in 1973. And he's like, oh, streaking. I love it. I was going to say, like, yeah, the the Tiger McGillicuddy, (laughs) they don't show a shot of him, like, staring at her. No! We see her running through. We see the audience being distracted. And then we see Sam punch him. We don't actually get the shot establishing, oh, yes, this actually helped Sam win in any way. More importantly, we see um, um, Al... Al's holographic hand go through Tiger. Yeah, this is in a minute. Uh, <laughs> Tiger after... Sanchez, and like his hand goes through his. Yeah, okay, so it's yeah. in a bit. It's in a, it's in a minute, but first, uh, Sam gets that sucker punch in because um, Tiger. That's the only way. Tiger is uh, is distracted, I guess. Uh, he goes down, Maybe. and then Sam immediately starts celebrating. He's like, I won, I won, I won. He's like, I don't know the rules of boxing. <laughs> what? What's boxing? He's just like, oh, yeah, for sure I knocked him out. No reason to keep looking at him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he has to keep fighting. Yeah. The, the, guy, the guy gets up because he's an actual boxer who can take more than one punch to the face. Yeah, I guess what? And, um... So to help him out, Al puts his hand through Tiger's... And he says, hit my hands, hit my hands. Yeah. Which is just like body shot, body shot, face shot. Yeah, so he's just basically pointing. Hit yeah, so here. like whack-a-mole. Hit here, hit here. Yeah. But like, wouldn't it have been equally plausible that without the streaking gimmick, Al could have therefore helped exactly. Sam by simply being like, pretend he's me and like, like hologramming his way... To a victory? Yeah, I mean, there's... It's possible, right? It's possible, and also, And it wouldn't compromise anybody's morality. It wouldn't. Well, I mean, except for Sam's, because it is still very much cheating. But I guess my issue is, sure, it's still cheating, but it's not asking Dixie... ...to use her body to also cheat. Yeah, I wasn't disagreeing with you. Like, it's true. Like, he... Stop disagreeing with me about morality, Lee. He he cheats (laughs) in so many different ways in this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. First of all, the uh, unaffected... I mean, you could argue that, you know, that one sucker punch kind of weakened Tiger uh, uh, Filipovich. Um, <laughs> but it didn't But it work. didn't knock him out. And then, yeah. so Sam... Uh, so Al jumps in and starts cheating in a different way. This one actually knocks Tiger out. Yeah, so I think that Dixie did all this... For nothing. For nothing. Yeah. Which is... Heartbreaking. Yeah, but good thing she doesn't know that. Yeah, I mean, she, for seems, a, she seems pleased with it. She shows up at the at the locker room later, and she goes like, "Oh, did I help?" And he goes, "Absolutely. Yep, yep. Knocked him out immediately. He did not get back up." And she gives like the biggest smile, like the biggest, most joyful, sincere smile I've ever seen. And she's got tears in her eyes too because he says something like, he says something really nice to her. Oh, oh no, he doesn't. This is uh, uh, again get, getting to the end of the episode here. But what? Yeah, what, it jumps forward. A bit. Yeah, um, we'll 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 jump back in a minute. But yeah, the thing that ha- Sam says to her that makes her smile so much. Well, she has to go uh, chase down the the uh, bookie, and oh, he, he says to her, "Be quick." No, he says, "Hurry back." That is the thing that made her ecstatic with pleasure. Hurry back. <laughs> Well, he was excited to see her. I guess it's it's nice. It's a nice sentiment, but it but shouldn't bring tears to your. Again, the women in Quantum Leap, Donald P. Man, have very low bars for uh, yeah, like what a nice gesture from a man is. Yeah, like in episode one, it was just not berating you for being pregnant. But oh, actually, only <laughs> like, only berating you a little bit for being pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, but like. 
so the other thing is, is this sweet woman. I love Dixie as an actor and as a character. Yeah, she was great. Like, like you said, we get so much from this character that's not in the writing. Like the fact that she clearly, oh, she was in tears before this fight, before the note, like being asked to streak. Yeah. She really psyched her up and was in, herself up and was enthusiastic to mm-hmm. streak to help him. And she did. And by the end of it was so happy with the outcome. It's like, what a... F- fucking gem yeah cody has that she took something she absolutely did not want to do (laughs) he does not deserve her nobody deserves dixie that's true dixie Dixie is the best of us (laughs) like the most selfless woman i've ever seen on screen yeah let's get back to kind of the wrap-up of this episode including Uh, all the nuns sam sam wins the fight which immediately uh it puts uh Guy Stockwell. I just want to talk about Dixie more. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I'm like I wasn't even paying attention to the boxing. I'm just like more Dixie, 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 and late era sister Angela. Anyway, I'm sorry. You go. No, it's fine. I just want to um, wrap up because there's some weird shit in here. Um, so Sam wins the fight, which then costs uh, uh, Guy Stockwell all because he had bet <laughs> on Sam to lose in the first round. Yes. Sam won, so he lost money. And uh, all this time we thought that uh, Sam was going to uh, win his money for the church by betting on his own fight. But no, here's the thing. He actually bet on the uh, Muhammad Ali fight because he uh, had knowledge from the future. And he knew knew that Ali would beat out George Foreman in the eighth round. So he bet on that. Also cheating. Which is very much cheating. uh, (laughs) And but then earns $47,000, which he splits among himself and Dixie, uh, the church. And then paying back Guy Stockwell for the amount that uh, Guy lost betting against Sam. Yeah, I everybody guess that happy. Makes it okay. Yeah, cheating's okay if everyone benefits. Yeah, except for uh, Rocco. <laughs> except for Rocco. Rocco, and, who's uh, probably going to get shot. Tiger Stetson. <laughs> Tiger Stetson. <laughs> How do you know my porn name? <laughs> Because um, you should use your own surname. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Leet, let's be honest, Leet is the more recognizable, identifiable name. That's true. And Tiger I'm... Stetson always wears a Stetson. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's his trademark. And nobody will think that that's an actual last name. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and Sister Angela um, gets this nice monologue where she's like, oh, when I heard that you were going to take a dive. Uh, I lost my faith, but then when uh, I saw you actually trying in in the fight, I regained my faith. It's like, wow, Sister Angela. Yeah, she says, thank you for giving me back my faith. Does God know how tenuous your faith is? (gasps) And furthermore, for an episode that is very much about God and religion in the Catholic Church, it's very much about, like, so Sam Beckett gave you back your faith? Like, the scientist from, I mean, I know she doesn't know it's Sam, but it's like this... How do I put this? For for a show that is leaning in the direction of putting a lot of faith in God and a lot of like, you know, I guess the man upstairs has a plan. For that kind of show, he plays God a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this weird uh, combination of playing God and loving God. There's this also like also a weird thing of just like the whole premise of this show is... Sam is here to put things right that once went wrong. Yeah. An omnipotent God can't do it by himself? 
Yeah, you're right. If God has a plan, then why do you need to go back in time to fix things? He works in mysterious ways. So it's part of God's plan in To Quantum fuck it up the first time. To have Sam go back and... Yeah. Like, basically, like... Oh, you know, Dr. Sam Beckett, like, really uh, promising uh, uh, physicist who could change actual lives. What we're going to do instead is I'm going to just take, you know four plus years of your life i'm just basing that on the number of seasons this show ran i'm going to take four years of your life co-opt it to fix all the things that i could easily fix with a snap of my fingers if i wanted to but i don't want to it's assuming a lot though that's assuming that that's how god yeah well we're 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 definitely in a judeo-christian kind of world here at least in this episode yeah 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 do you think that Judeo-Christians believe that God can fix things with a snap of his finger that happened in the past? Well, I mean, I I think that the thing is, like, things wouldn't go against God's plan in the first place. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? If we're subscribing to this, (laughs) this is very confusing stuff. But yeah, if we're subscribing to this belief system in the first place... yeah then Quantum Leap shouldn't even happen. Yeah, there's no reason for Sam to start leaping because... Everything happens for a reason. Because God, like... God has a plan. Yeah, God, like, nothing can happen that is against God's will. Yeah. Hmm. Donald, get, get, reach out us. What's our Twitter handle? (laughs) At Kristen Leet. So that's uh, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-L-E-E-T-E. Donald P., hit us up. Hit us up, Donald. We're, is Donald we're in an exist- still alive? That's <laughs> that's a good question. I wonder if he's on Twitter. This is an existential uh, dilemma we're facing. Go. Donald P. Belisario appears to still be alive. Great. We would love it if you could let us know. Yeah, Donald, hit us up. Like, I'd also hear it from Bakula if he has any thoughts. Yeah, sure, I'd talk to Bakula. I would absolutely talk to Bakula. And I feel like he would talk to us. <laughs> I feel like he'd like us if he just got I to I wonder know if us. he's busy. I mean, is, is his Star Trek show still on? No, no, but he's doing... Um, is he not doing NCIS or something? Or oh, Law and Order? I saw an Instagram post. That makes sense because I think uh, uh, NCIS is a Belisario joint. Is it really? I think so. I, I saw him... Hang on. I did see a picture of him on the set of something recently because I looked up hashtag Scott Bakula. Oh, Scott. There's some... He's a dreamboat. There's some sexy Instagram photos here. Honestly, he's he aged well. <laughs> he, he just looks like he did he before. He looks very suave but now. But gray. Well, he's... his hair is better. His hair is doing better things now than oh, I... Oh, you think? But then again, everyone's hair is compared to... The, to 89? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's not a... um, That's not fair. Um, I'm going to find it. Hang on. Let's see if Dean Stockwell is still uh, around. Oh, these are all the captains in a picture. I think, I think Dean Stockwell would be a great uh, get. For this show? Yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, he's 82 years old. Dean Stockwell? Yeah. Let's get him. If you're in Toronto ever and you want to like I grab am. a I'm not talking to you. I'm oh. talking to Dean Stockwell. Oh, I'm sorry, just Dean. making eye contact with you because you're the only person in the room. 
I'll look out the window whimsically. <laughs> um, Dean Stockwell, if you're uh, <laughs> if you're in the Toronto area, there. you uh, you give us a call. Someone you tweet us at Kristen Leet, and um, we'll have you over. We'll order a pizza. We'll we'll have have a few laughs. I really enjoy your performance and your outfits. Um, so let us know. Also, you can invite Bacula too if you want. Yeah, do you and Bacula still hang out? <laughs> I like to hope that they do. They kind of like have this weird kind of vaudeville duo energy together. <laughs> like I'm that's... Bacula. I'm Stockwell. We're two of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit forward. <laughs> what? And I've got a big behind. You are doing. You are doing uh, uh, <laughs> Seymour and Pepe from Muppets oh, Tonight. Yeah, I was. Oh, man, that was so deeply rooted in my subconscious that I didn't even know I was The saddest that. thing is that we both are both are watchers of Muppets Tonight. I loved Muppets Tonight, and Seymour and Pepe were my favorite. But I forgot the rest of the lyrics to that, so I didn't know that I was doing that. Oh, God. Oh, we better end this. Yeah, should we so sign off soon. with that? With that great... <laughs> Real current reference. <laughs> Muppets tonight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you can. Uh, oh wait, no. Um, ooh. before we go, we have to. We have to. Oh wait, do plugs? do our plugs. Do plugs. Okay. I have a podcast called On a Dark Cold Night. You should check it out. Um, I have a podcast called The Pitch Off Project. Uh, you should check that one out first. What? Oh. I'm throwing you under the bus, Zaza. Well, fair enough. My my show's good for bedtime anyway, so have some laughs with Leet and then, uh, you and know. When, when you're all tuckered out from the laughs. <laughs> go go to sleep with me? That sounds weird. Okay, so uh, we're going to leave this off with the prediction for next week. Oh, right. We, uh, we, Sam leaps into what appears to be a hog farmer. He's, I was looking away. I was taking notes, so Leet just told me it's a he's, hog farm. He's wearing uh, like a plaid shirt and jeans, and he's in a, a kind of a... a Pig sty, literal, <laughs> not not a messy room. Uh, holding holding a pig. What's he dressed as? A he's farmer. A farmer, like like yeah, he's had like plaid shirt, jeans. I think like a ball cap. Okay, what's gonna happen? Um, he's a he's a pig farmer, and one of the pigs starts talking to him. Babe, okay, we're doing babe. Except that it's classic movie from nineteen ninety five. Yeah, but it's gonna be more like um. More difficult stuff than Babe presents, which and Babe presents a lot of difficult stuff to go through. But like, this is going to be like the pig says to him, like, "I'm an intelligent creature and I don't want to be killed for meat." No, this and is depressing because I'm hungry and I, I'm not a vegetarian. There's a spider that's hanging over him, saying, no, "Some pig." It's not. Well, that's Charlotte's Web. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. No. Let's just say there's a talking pig involved, and uh, it raises a moral dilemma with another moral dilemma with uh, with 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 Sam um, in this episode. And Sam has to decide what the right thing to do is, and uh, he makes his he still he still decides that he should raise pigs and and slaughter them, but uh, he just decides to give them a better life and and raise them naturally and better than the farmer did in the past and then that sends the farmer's business uh even better like because he becomes 
you know like yeah like a uh what's the word humane uh yeah he he starts a humane farm and uh becomes famous for for that i guess yeah. and like uh like uh that malcolm gladwell thing with the uh uh humane foie gras what's that oh he he wrote in one of his books uh, about a, uh, you know how foie gras is made like uh, it's really awful and they they force feed uh, yeah, geese as much uh, grain as they possibly can and like they live a miserable life and then there was this one like French farmer um, who uh, uh, just like kind of did free range geese mm-hmm. and let them eat whatever they felt like and gave them a nice life and then slaughtered them for their livers uh and it, apparently it makes the uh it makes the uh pate even better yeah well that's what i think i mean i saw some like netflix thing that i talk about to everyone that made me think about food differently and i'm like man farm better world <laughs> yeah no it's 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 a problem and with that Oof. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be Thanks back next listening. Friday with another episode of Oh, oh Boy, Boy, It's, it's Kristen, Kristen and Elite. Bye. Bye.